Well, good morning, Rack Church. We are so grateful to be here to worship Christ with all of you. I can't tell you how grateful we are for what you do. We couldn't do what we do if it were not for churches like you. Um, and I wish we had time to just recount of all the ways that we have been blessed by your ministry in this church. Let me ask you, have you ever wished that there was no death, that we could somehow go on living forever? You know, most days life is hard that we can't even imagine the thought of living forever. But if we are honest, sometimes don't we wish that death didn't exist? I have a a sweet six-year-old, you know, when I'm with my daughter, I find myself wishing that I could be with her all the way into her adulthood and to see her have children and to see them grow up and to see them have children and to see them grow up. You get the picture. Death seems like an inconvenience that'll stop me from being with my daughter for her whole life. And perhaps you felt that. Or perhaps you felt this most when someone that was close to you was dying. In June last year, my father passed away. He suffered so much towards the end of his life that death seemed like a welcome relief when it came. But for me and my mother and all those who loved him dearly, we hate death. We miss him terribly. We wish there was something we could do to reverse the situation, to bring him back the way he was Life is hard. Death is awful. How are we as Christians to think about these things? So our meditation this morning, Psalm 90, is a meditation on this very idea of death and the finiteness of man. So let me encourage you one more time to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90, and let me read that for us. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? 
So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, it is interesting that we are told who the author of this psalm is, that it is Moses who actually wrote this psalm. So this is probably the oldest psalm that we know of in the book of Psalms. But the truths that we see in the psalm are very relevant to our situation even today. You know, during and after COVID, we are surrounded by fear of death and sickness. And people all over the world have had to consider their mortality, the prospect that they might die before they are ready. And so the best thing for us to do during this season for us is to do what Moses does in the psalm, is to turn our hearts and minds to meditate on who God is. So if you are taking down notes, there are three things that I want us to see about God from the psalm, and they will be the points of the sermon. Number one, I want us to see about God's eternality in verses one to six, God's eternality. Number two, God's wrath in verses 7 to 11. And finally, God's steadfast love in verses 12 to 17. God's eternality, God's wrath, and God's steadfast love. And brothers and sisters, I pray that as we read this psalm, we would think correctly about who God is as he's revealed himself in the pages of scriptures to us. Well, the psalmist begins by reminding the people of God that God has been our dwelling place. Did you see that in verse 1? You know, the idea of dwelling place is a significant theme in all of Scripture, and it means more than just a roof above our heads. It's a place of refuge from our enemies, a place of peace and joy, a place where we can experience God's love. And when we read the scriptures, we see that those who love God long to be with him, long to be in his presence forever. So from Genesis to Revelation, the story of the Bible could be described as the story of how God is making a way to dwell with his people forever. So you see this in the Old Testament, the tabernacle and the temple were given by God to be symbols of God's presence among his people, a promise that God would dwell with his people. But even there, there was a great distance between God and man. They were pointing forward to a future where the followers of God will dwell with God forever in his presence. And this future is fulfilled in Christ for us. Notice the psalmist says, that God is our dwelling place in all generations. How can that be? Well, he tells us in verse 2, 
it is because God is an eternal God. God has always existed. He will always exist. You know, there was never a day when he was not. God has no beginnings. God does not celebrate birthdays. God is not like us. We are told in verse 3, we are made from dust and to dust we will return. In other words, God has appointed a time for each and every one of us in this room when we will die. And you see, the concept of time is not the same for us as it is for God because God is eternal. Verse 4, a thousand years for God is like one day. When it is past, it is like yesterday. Or like he says in verse 4, it's like a watch in the night, a short four-hour period in the middle of the night. That's it. You know, we think that we live a long time in this world, and that's only because our life is the longest experience that we have. But yet in God's eyes, as long as we think that is, it is but like a few moments. You know, we are meant to see how big our God is as we read the psalm. Wayne Grudem writes that the difference between God's being and ours is more than the difference between the sun and the candle, more than the difference between the ocean and a raindrop, more than the difference between the Arctic ice and a snowflake, more than the difference between the universe and the room we are sitting in. God's being is qualitatively different. No limitation of this creation should be projected to God. You know, when we think of God's eternality, it should humble us. We are finite, our understanding is limited, but yet too often we can forget the truth about ourselves. Too often we equate ourselves with God thinking that we are just like Him, or we think we are sometimes wiser than Him. So many are offended by the reflections that we see in the psalm, and so they choose to reject the idea of God altogether so that they can feel better about themselves. Yet, even those who are offended by their own limitations or their own finiteness, you know, even they can't help but marvel at many things in creation, like the mountains that Moses talks about in verse 2. They are so old and so majestic, but even these mountains have a beginning. And if we marvel at many things in God's creation, how much more should we marvel at how great our God is, who has no beginning, who has no end, who does not change? You know, in comparison to God, we are described like a flood in verse 5, or dreams, or grass that withers and quickly fades. We are all mortal and so much more than we like to think. And not only that, but we don't leave much of a mark behind. You know, in our quest to be more than who we really are, all people want to leave behind a legacy. Because we secretly know, don't we, that once we die, there might be a few people that might mourn us or miss us. But the truth is, a couple of hundred years from now, nobody will even remember us most of us will be completely forgotten. We truly are like dreams. 
that seem so fresh when we sleep but vanish when we wake up. So friends, I want to ask you, have you ever truly considered how great God is and how small and finite we are? You know, the world is constantly bombarding us with things that are meant to distract us from considering the truth about ourselves. But I want to encourage you to consider your own weakness, your own limitations, so that you're not deceived into thinking that you are like God. And maybe as you listen to Moses in the psalm, you might be discouraged. You might feel like your life and your efforts are futile. You might feel like your life is not worth much. But God wants us to meditate on these truths, not to make us feel miserable about ourselves, but to encourage us to turn to him who is bigger and greater than all of us. And we are also meant to consider why it is that each and every one of us will die. So let's consider the second point, God's wrath. And we can see that in verses 7 to 11. You know, so far in the psalm, we are confronted with the reality of our mortality, but it is only when we get to verse 7 that we are told the reason for why we die. And it is because of God's wrath against us. So friends, I hope you know that there is something wrong when we experience death in this life. You know, we see it again and again and again, and it can seem so normal, but it is not. Death is not part of our design. When God created us, he called us very good in Genesis 1.31. But man fell into sin in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, our first parents, they rebelled against God and his will for their lives. And their sin corrupted the whole human race. The curse of sin has affected everyone that is born of Adam in this world. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, sin came into the world through one man and death came to all. But it's not just Adam who sinned. Like the psalmist says in verse 8, we all have sinned. He says, you have set our iniquities before you. We deserve death. Death is the sentence by God on us for our guilt of sin before God. So friends, I hope you know what that means. Every time we see death, it is meant to be a reminder that we have offended a holy God and we are living under his wrath. Every time we see death on the news or a relative or a friend dies, we are meant to see how our sin is deserving not just of physical death, but what it even points to, which is eternal death. See, the problem with the way the world thinks about sin is not that they deny the existence of sin. Do you know what, it, what the problem is with the way the world thinks about sin? It is that they deny the seriousness of it. Sin is often seen as a mistake or a slip-up, and many would laugh at the idea that we deserve death because we have sinned against God. But we must view our sin in light of a holy God and that all of our sin are against him personally. The psalmist also wants us to know that God sees all of our sins. In verse 8, 
even our secret sins. So God looks at our hearts. He sees every evil thought, every word that comes out of our mouth, everything that happens in our minds. He sees all of it. Nothing can escape his gaze. There is no chance for us to hide our sin from God. So the thoughts that you think or the things that you do in the privacy of your homes or in the privacy of your phones, well, nothing is hidden from him. Imagine if today somehow our sins were to be broadcast for all to see. How would we feel? I think I would feel mortified and ashamed. So how much more seriously should we take our sin knowing that God sees all of our sins and he holds our fate in his hands? And look at verse 9 and 10. The psalmist says that God's wrath is not just shown in the fact that we all die, but even the few days that we have on earth are filled with expressions of God's wrath. So the 70 or 80 years that we all live, it's not just short, but it is full of trouble. And that is because of God's curse against mankind. This, fall, this fallen world is filled with suffering. We know this, don't we? Even the good days are good, only relatively speaking. Every day has pangs of God's displeasure, and we feel it. As someone said, we come into the world with a cry and we leave with a sigh. And yet, who can accuse God? His wrath is right. We deserve suffering that comes to us in this life. We deserve worse than what comes to us in this life. But yet, despite everything that is happening in the world, how many actually take God's wrath into serious consideration? How many people actually look at their sin properly and see what their sin has done? You know, the psalmist tells us that the reason why people overlook the clear signs of God's anger that we get in this world is because we don't fear him. Look at verse 12. He says, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? You know, it's not a bad thing to feel the dread of God's wrath as we live in this world. In fact, being sensitive to it can humble us. It can make us want to submit to him. It can prepare us to stand before him on the judgment day. And even those of us who say we trust Christ, we must check our lives to make sure that we live with an appropriate fear of God in our lives. So friends, these meditations on suffering and death you see how it can help us? They are meant to keep us on our toes so that we are never complacent about sin in our own lives. So let me ask you, Christian, are you hating sin as much as the God you love hates sin? This is something that we should all be seeking to grow in. And as we consider the remaining verses of the psalm, we can see how we can grow in hating sin. So let's consider the final point, God's steadfast love, from verses 12 to 17. You know, as we come to this section of the psalm, Moses prays in light of everything that he has reflected on in the psalm. And notice the first thing he prays for 
in light of everything that he has said so far. The first thing he prays for is to teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. What is wisdom in the psalm? It is to number our days, according to the psalmist. Now that's interesting, isn't it? That we need to be taught to number our days. Our life has an expiry date. It's got a number before it expires. But none of us really know when that day is. You know, when we are young, most of us live like we will never die. We are slow to learn the lesson that life is a vapor. We are all told about the value of seizing the day and making the most of today, and that's good. But what about the value of learning to number our days? You know, in our blindness, sometimes we forget that we are finite, we are coming to an end. We can begin to think that we are like God, not bound by time. So how do we learn this lesson? How do we learn to number our days? Well, like Moses does, we need to pray that God will teach us that. God has to teach us to number our days. So let me encourage you to pray like the psalmist, that we will have a heart of wisdom. And let me encourage you to reflect on the mortality of man, the vanity of life, the shortness of our existence in this world. Don't reject these reflections. They may make you sad, but they'll make your hearts better. And in verse 13, Moses cries out, how long? So even when we realize that our days are limited, we can still feel like they are long. Isn't that interesting? And that is because a life that is full of affliction in this world makes even the short time we have in this world seem very long. Now let me ask you, have you ever heard of this saying, time flies when you're having fun? You know, the opposite is true too. Um, one of the things that I started doing, you know, during the COVID-19 lockdown uh, was to do a 30-minute workout in my, in my living room. And uh, for people who know me, you know that I'm not in the best shape of my life. And uh, usually I feel like I don't have time for anything. But those 30 minutes when I was working out just seemed really long. And for some reason, the last 10 minutes seemed even longer. But in all seriousness, let me ask you, have you had this experience of feeling like time seems to slow down when you're going through something really hard in your life? You may be going through something hard in your life right now, and you may be praying like Moses, how long, O oh Lord? You know, I want to encourage you, it's not unspiritual to pray this prayer. It's not unspiritual to feel the pain of the affliction of living in this world and to cry out to God for deliverance. And, but let me also encourage you, if you're going through suffering, whatever that may be, don't go through it alone. Share it with other brothers and sisters. Share it with others in your church. You may think that there is nothing that anyone could do for you, but your brothers and sisters could pray for you. They can speak truth to you from God's word. They can be present in your life as you walk through whatever suffering it is that you're going through. They can sing songs that remind you about God's compassion, about his steadfast love. 
whatever it is that you're going through, share it with others so that they can love you too. You know, this prayer, How Long, O Lord, is a very common prayer in the book of Psalms. And there is much that we can learn from just even that one line. You know, this prayer is a recognition of the fact that God is sovereign and that he has compassion on his people. And so because of that, his people, whatever they're going through, is not going to be forever. This is not a hopeless prayer. How long, O Lord? It is full of hope because we hope in God. And friends, I want to say, for those who are not in Christ, if they don't turn to him while they have time, do you realize that they can't pray this prayer? How long, O Lord? Because as long as misery in this life may seem, it is only a preview of what's coming next when they die. You know, for those who are not in Christ, this life will only lead into unending suffering under the judgment of God. And in eternity, when they are under the judgment of God, they can never pray, how long, O Lord, because there's no end to the suffering. So friend, if you're here this morning and you haven't turned to Christ yet, I want to point out one thing, and that is that Christ has not returned yet. And that means that this is an opportunity for you to repent. You know, in 2 Peter 3, 9, what was read for us earlier in the service, Peter says that God is not slow in coming, but is patient towards those who have not repented yet. And we also read that the day of the Lord will come like a thief when we least expect it. So if you haven't turned to Christ, take time today to consider what it means for you to repent and trust in Jesus who promises to save you and to bring you to himself, to live with him for all of eternity. And for those of us who are in Christ, brothers and sisters, I want to say it's not long that we have to endure. All of our trouble is coming to an end. All of your trouble is coming to an end. So whatever the hardship may be that you are going through in your life right now, the injustice that you are facing at your workplace or anywhere else in the UAE, the pain that you know your doctors can seem to stop, is coming to an end. God promises that all of your tears are going to be wiped away forever. And that is because God's compassion is not slow. As he says in verse 14 and 15, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen evil. Friends, for all the days that we have suffered and even more, we will rejoice for those of us who are in Christ. And that is simply because of God's steadfast love shown to us. You know, this is the most comforting truth for afflicted saints. For believers in Christ who are walking through suffering, there is nothing like this truth that God shows steadfast love to his people. You know what that means? God's steadfast love. It means that he is not aloof. It means that he's not distant from us. It means that he extravagantly and generously gives himself to meet the needs of lost sinners who flee to him for refuge. How wonderful is that truth? You know, the greatest expression of God's steadfast love we have seen, and that is shown 
by Christ to us. The Son of God took on human flesh so that he could be a man of sorrows. We are told that he was oppressed, afflicted, smitten by God for us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And when he died on the cross, he took upon himself the full wrath of God that we deserve for our sins. So friends, if we are free, you should know it is only because Christ has paid for it. If we have the hope of life, it is because the one who did not deserve to die, died in our place and rose from the dead for us. Brothers and sisters, there is no greater display of God's love that we can see than what we see on the cross where our Savior died. So since it is true that Jesus died for us, it is also true that we will rejoice. But it's hard, isn't it? As we think about living this life in this fallen world, it can be hard to rejoice. And so let's look at the last two verses that Moses tells us in verse 16 and 17 and his desperate prayer to God in light of everything that he has said so far. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, apart from the Lord, all of our work is in vain. As Paul says to the church in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Because Christ lives, he establishes, establishes the work of his church. So yes, our time is short, our days are numbered, Christ is coming, but the church of Christ has a special privilege. Our labor in the Lord will last. Everything else in this world will pass away. But the things that God does through his church, they will last. So this is an amazing promise for those of us who are Christians, but with it comes an important responsibility for us. So what does this mean for us? It means that we are to number our days and to consider carefully how we will live in this world and to consider what we will devote ourselves to. And as much as we can, we should work for the things that will last forever. So what that means for you is maybe now is the time for some of you to start a conversation with your neighbor or your co-worker about the gospel of Jesus. Maybe for some of you, now is the time to commit to reading the Bible regularly for yourself or with another friend from from church so that they may get to know God better. You know, there are many things that we can devote our lives to. And so I want to encourage you maybe over lunch today, take time to think about what you can give yourself to so that you can serve Christ and build the body of Christ here in Rasulkema. Life is short. Eternity is long for us to not give ourselves to doing something that may seem risky, but has the potential to bring great glory for Jesus. Now, I also want to say there may be a few of us here who might do something really radical for Christ with our lives. But most of us will do something that may seem very ordinary. And I want to say our work does not need to be grand 
or impressive for God to establish it, the smallest act that we do to serve others, it may go unnoticed by others, but it will not go unnoticed by God. So whether you're just cooking meals for others or whether you're just praying for others regularly in your church or whether you're giving rides so that people can get to church or whether you're teaching kids about church and uh, about Christ and nobody sees that or whether you're just showing up early to church so you can welcome others who are coming to church. Whatever it may be, the Lord takes all of those small acts done for Christ and establishes it. You may think that nothing much is happening, but the Lord can use your church to leave an imprint that will last forever. Well, let me close with these words from C.T. Studd, that great English cricketer who gave up his life of comfort to go to China to take the gospel to the lost there. He says, Only one life, yes, only one, soon with its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last.